0: All right. Um, My name is Nick Intout, and uh, I am trying to figure out what God is doing in my life. (laughs) Anybody else with me there? Uh, For for those, thank you. It's really good to be here. Uh, Julie and I put a little note in the bulletin, which doesn't even begin to express uh, our thankfulness to this community. Um, it's just like tip of the iceberg of the level of gratitude that we feel um, for being able to partner with you all over the last 13 and a half years. I came here to the river as a young adult, a young man. Some of you maybe re- remember that then. Somebody said to me recently who hadn't seen me in 15 years, You're a lot, there's a lot more of you now than there used to be. <laughs> I just said, there's just more to love. Uh, but it is, um, this is a community that shaped our family and shaped my heart as a leader, um, shaped my character. Uh, so, you know, you're responsible for that. Um, and I, I'm, I'm really thankful to be able to be here to encourage you this morning. And so somebody said, how often are you going to pop in and do that? And I said, I don't know, we'll see. But um, God has called our family right now to pursue a mission uh, to share the good news about him in this city and uh, more broadly in this region, uh, working with churches and connecting them with the community. And so um, what that means for a job, we're still kind of like working through all those details, but that's where we're trusting him and and following um, what I like to call the wild goose. The Irish refer to the Holy Spirit as like this, Honking wild beast that they're just trying to find. And sometimes I feel like, as a Christian, that's what um, discerning where God is at work feels like sometimes, doesn't it? Like you're chasing this wild animal that, you know, you kind of want to hold on to, but you kind of don't because it's crazy. Um, And as another aside, our family has undergone some really big changes. Speaking of geese, uh, we recently uh, added four. Uh, little critters to our family We have four chickens And um, Yeah and we One of them we found out was a rooster This has nothing to do with the sermon by the way But you're not I found out because I was laying in bed And one morning it was about six o'clock And it was an adolescent rooster And it it just was like ah! it, And it had this voice And it was discovering it You know and so you adolescents You know when your voice cracks roosters do that too and I remember as a teenager when I would pick up the phone and say hello and my voice would crack and anyhow this is the same thing with the rooster so we had to get rid of this rooster so we're down to three but our family is in this you know chasing chickens instead of the wild geese so uh anyhow This morning, I want to uh, share from you. We're going through a series on the words of Christ, Christ on the cross. And what we're going to talk about this morning is that even on the cross, even when we're crucifying God, His longing is for us to have life. Even when, when with crowds we say, He ain't God, He's not real. He's not really God. Even in that moment, the heart of God is to give us life, is to long for us to have life. Let me tell you a little bit about what has shaped this message for me. Um, I've shared it before, but I just want to say it again, because it is a testimony to the goodness and the mercy and the love of God. When I was in my early 20s, I had this really gnarly bout of, I think, what you would probably call depression. Uh, We didn't have language for it then. I didn't have language for it. In my family, um, there wasn't uh, a name for that thing that I was experiencing, but it was months upon months upon months of agonizing dryness and pain, and I'd wake up in pain, and I'd go to sleep in pain, and I would cry myself to sleep, and I would go at my parents' foot of their bed and say, what is going on in my life? And they just looked at me like, I don't know, bro, like maybe you should go to the doctor or something. And um, there was this spiritual just weight that I carried all the time. And then a week before my wedding, um, I woke up one morning, and it was gone. And I knew when it was gone uh, that God had delivered me from it. Um, I found out later that my mom and a group of her teachers had been praying for years um, that God would, would just free our, 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 our kid, her kids, that, they, that, she would, um, that God would liberate her children from anything that, that hindered them, that prevented them from following Christ. And when these ladies, when these teacher friends of hers heard what I was going through, they would get together and every week they would pray for me by name. And so when I was delivered from that, I felt like I got a new lease on life. So at 22, um, 23, getting married, um, all of a sudden I felt like not only was I back, but I had been through hell and God had given me a new opportunity to serve him and to love him and to give him everything I, I had And I believed then and I believe now um, that we're so quick and I'm so quick to give my heart to other things, to lesser things, to other gods. I'm quick to give my life and my time and my energy and my love and my affection to other things. And the invitation of God over and over and over is "Give, give give your life to me. Turn to me. I will give you abundant life. I'll give you... Life of life. Life as it was intended to live. Are you with me? Yeah. So that shapes how I read texts like what we're going to talk about this morning. You have to know that up front. Um, the other thing that shapes uh, for me, just my, my like, personal journey that shapes this, is I hate to see pain I just hate to see people in pain and I hate to experience pain myself. I just cannot stand it. And my temptation that goes along with like my personality type is to numb pain or to not face it or to not sit in it or to not walk through it. I want to just avoid it. I want to avoid painful things and go like party and have fun. And I think the invitation this morning that Jesus wants to invite us to is not to avoid or not look at pain, but walk through our painful situation and in it to encounter him, the giver of life. So, with that in mind, um, I want to start with this quote from an early church father. Some of you know um, the Westminster Confessional who can fill in this? I know Nate, uh, Nate Banks, you can, because um, I know you can. Uh, the, the chief end of man, or I would say humanity, is to what? Glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So if you're ever thinking about what's my purpose in life, they answered it like 300 years ago. Uh, the Westminster Confession, they said, the chief end of humanity is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I was like, wow, that's really powerful. But then I started to think like, how do you glorify God? First of all, what does that even mean to glorify God? And the idea of glory in the Bible is this word, Hebrew word, kabod, which means like weight. And so that to glorify God is to make His presence weighty in a place, right? Is to make it weighty. Um, Irenaeus, in like the fourth century, this early church father said this: "The glory of God is man." Again, they were like really focused on men back then, but humanity fully alive. The glory of God is. Man, fully alive. I've probably shared this quote before because it's like one of my faves. Take a moment. When in the last 48 hours, and if that's not enough time for you, the last week, and if that's not enough time for you, the last year, and if that's not enough time for you, when is the last time that you remember being fully alive? Think about a place, a time, a moment. When you felt fully alive What was it About that time What was it about that place What was it about your experience in that moment Is anybody so brave as to like share Just briefly a moment When you felt fully alive Yeah go ahead Miss Colleen Real quick though not like a Four minute like Because I'm preaching today this is my... I'm just kidding I was in Georgia and just to have warm rain on my head mm. with trees all around and mm. I knew that was the presence of God Beautiful. Of and I just felt like, yes! alive yes! alive uh, Miss Colleen was in Georgia she felt the warm rain and saw the trees all around her and everything was green did you say that or did I just make that green part up no you said that And um, she said she just felt like, yes, yes, alive in the rain with the trees. Beautiful. Yeah, good. Anybody else? Yeah. Woo. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Kim said when she got married... She felt alive, right? She just felt the, the 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 goodness and the love and the presence of God there in that moment, It felt alive. Good. Um, maybe you have others. Uh, anybody else like want to share one? They're like, I got to share this. Get- Cooper? Oh, Harold. Yeah. All this week when I was able to drive people with cold Yeah, Harold, the man, right on. Harold, uh, for those of you that don't know, um, is. Uh, picks up a van at the Coopers, Ross and Sandy Coopers, and then um, he drives people who are interested who need shelter uh, from so- Salvation Army up to Set Free Calamesa. So there's a-, a van load of people. And he's, it's supposed to be a collaborative effort of a whole bunch of people. Pretty much it's Harold driving the van for people. So it's been really cool, man. Um, for me, uh, it was about four minutes ago when all those kids were up here and um, just imagining how they could be, like Pete and Laura, um, bringing good news to the world. How, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. I was just thinking about all these little feet and where God is going to take them in their lifetime, right? And it made me feel alive. Well, biblically... Um, and for those of you that are wondering, like, when are we going to read the Bible? It's coming. Here we go. We're going to jump around a little bit, okay, with some text, because I want you to see kind of a holistic picture of God's longing and his desire for humanity, his, his, the hunger that he has for us to see us alive. And in John 10, 10, I want to encourage you um, maybe this week to read this entire section Uh, of this uh, John 10, because it gives a picture again of Jesus as a shepherd. And we've seen that imagery before scattered throughout the Old Testament. God is referred to as a shepherd right? Um, he, Psalm 23, some of you have that one memorized, where God is like a shepherd who leads us beside quiet waters, and he leads us through the valley of the shadow of death, and he, he's like a shepherd who's protecting us, and I love that imagery. Well, Jesus picks up on it, and um, it's kind of cool because if you read this whole section from John 10, it, it gets a little confusing. You're like, uh, he's coming to this, this group of sheep, this flock, A group of sheep is called a flock. What's a group of um, narwhals called? Anybody know? I don't know either, but I just, I'm curious. What do you call a group of narwhals? Um, So there's all these sheep. And what would happen is in Israel, uh, you would have, if you were like a family, a few sheep, like we have three chickens, you would have a few sheep. And at night, you would bring them to a designated place and as a community or a village, um, you know, like these villages in, in Asia, uh, you would pick somebody to watch the sheep that night. So it'd be like, Caleb, you're on sheep duty, bro. And you'd be like, mom, I don't want to watch the sheep I did like a week ago. And you're like, it's your turn. Sorry, you're a part of this family. That's your job. So Caleb would be the sheep guy for that night. But it wouldn't just be the slaughter sheep. The Heckman sheep would be there, and the Wagner sheep would be there, and the Block sheep would be there, and the DeCock sheep would be there, and everybody's sheep would be there. All right, you with me? So in the morning, all the sheep are, like, hanging out together, you know? So um, how does Don Bierman get his sheep? He calls them, and they recognize his voice. Some people said maybe they would have, like, a little whistle uh, where they would do a little, and they're like, oh, the, that's Beerman's call. And so the sheep would come to dawn, and then during the day, that family would bring them out to their courtyard in their home, okay? So that's the imagery here that Jesus gives. And I want to focus on um, 10 verse 10, because uh, he, he talks about how as the, the shepherd of his sheep, Um, He wants what's best for them. And his sheep know his voice. They recognize his voice. And this is a verse that um, Pastor John Gonzalez shared with me years ago. um, Because uh, it, it talks about in 10 verse 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus is this shepherd. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now this seems so Obvious that a shepherd would want to give his sheep life. Doesn't this seem obvious? That a shepherd would do everything in his power to make sure that the sheep f- flourish. Because that's his job as a shepherd. Right? Doesn't this seem obvious? Here's the problem that I see. So many of us sheep constantly rage against the shepherd. We bite his hand when he tries to care for us. We, um, I don't know, I'm kind of like a rebellious person, I think, at heart. And I know sheep don't wear collars. But if the shepherd tried to put a collar on me, he'd be like, I don't want a collar. Now again, I know sheep don't wear collars. But we're continuously fighting against the good things that God is trying to give us in the gentle ways he's trying to lead us. We're just going off on our own way a thousand miles an hour, doing our own thing, pursuing what we think is going to be green grass over here. And in the meantime, God is saying, come on, I led you yesterday to green pastures. Why won't you trust me today? I'm going to do the same thing today. Are you with me? So the thief, the idea of the thief is the one who comes uh, over the barrier that has been created to protect the sheep at night. And the thief, um, he's not trying to lead the sheep to any sort of pasture. The thief, unlike the shepherd, wants to use you for his purpose or its purpose. So the enemy of God is the forces, the structures, the people who want to use you for their own end instead of equipping you to give you life. Are you with me? This should be really obvious to us, but I I don't think it is. And I, I say that because I continually see us, myself included, Chasing after things that are lifeless. I recently asked a group of students um, two weeks ago, What's the opposite of beauty? What's the opposite of something beautiful? And we all said, Ugly. But that's not actually true. Because things that are beautiful and good, oh, how beautiful. On the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Things that are beautiful, they're beautiful because we pursue them, we're attracted to them. And when we get there, when we get to them, when we have the experience of a a beautiful oasis or a garden or a mountain hike or a a symphony or um, a drama or a play or something that you attend, um, when you experience it, it, it has this filling quality to it. The opposite of beauty isn't ugly, because nobody pursues ugly things. We pursue glamorous things. We pursue things that are a mirage. They promise satisfaction and fulfillment and abundant life. And then when we encounter them, experience them, have them, we realize we're just as hollow as empty as when we started. Are you tracking? Okay, um, Jesus says this, uh, John seven thirty eight. Again, this is about the broad mission of God, what he wants for humanity. Um, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, this is John, uh, for those in your Bible, John 7, just a few verses er- uh, earlier than, than John 10. John 7, um, verse 38. Whoever believes in me, As the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, verse 39, he meant the spirit. If you have your Bible, just underline that. Streams of living water will flow from within us. For those who are pursuing Christ, this is the promise. When you follow the shepherd... When he is the one who is leading us, there's this life-giving thing. We call this in theology the generative reality of God. What, 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 what? This means that God has the capacity and the ability to generate in himself, itself, herself, to generate life. That God is the source of life. Nothing outside of God imposes life on God. It is God who generates life from its being. And so when God lives and dwells in us, when we live connected to God, that life, Jesus says, is like streams that percolate. Streams don't percolate. What do streams do? Flow within us. Are you with me? Okay, now I want to ask you a question. I want to flash three images, and this is not to guilt you. This is for you to do kind of like a self-assessment. Okay, this is not about guilt. This is not saying you have to do more. I just want you to help yourself um, think about where you're at this morning, to be honest with where are you at. There's three images that I think are kind of like connected to this. The first one is of um, just like barren, I don't know where this is, Mojave? That looks worse than the Mojave Desert, right? Um, But three images, where is it? Mentone. (laughs) Mentone, they said. I made a Mentone joke once like five years ago. Some of you maybe remember it. I'll never make that mistake again. Mentone is way more beautiful than this. There's a lot more rocks there. Shoot, I did it again. Well, you can't fire me, so. Um, But as you think about your soul, right? You think about your soul. Uh, Some of us maybe this morning feel like this is a little bit like our soul. I'm just, I'm where I'm at. I'm just trying to stick it out. I'm just trying to stick it out. Uh, that language of like, I'm just trying to stick my life out, this one life that the creator of the universe gave me, I'm just trying to st- I've been trying to stick it out for years and years and years. Oh, that's wasteland language to me. What a waste of a life. Not, not, I'm not saying you're a waste of a life. I'm saying like, if that's the place you're in, my heart just breaks for you this morning. I'm just trying to stick it out man you know I, I've been doing this thing for like 27 years there's nobody I'm thinking of. <laughs> if you've been doing something for 27 years I'm not talking about you it's just like an example <laughs> so you're like how does he know I've been up to this thing for 27 years I'm just trying to ride it out no where did we where did you what story is that from You know, like what story is that from? That's not the story that Jesus, I have come that they might stick it out. (laughs) I've come that they might just kind of ride out the storm for the next 27 years. No, 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 no. 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 This morning, if this is you, uh, let's just together, um, Say, Lord Jesus, like, my soul feels like a wasteland. Would you come just, like, bring some rain? Make this like a Georgia wooded land again. This morning, if this is where you find yourself, I just want to say, no, that's, that's not it. That's not, that's not the thing God longs for for you. That's not, what, that's not his dream for your life. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to do that anymore. And you can talk to any one of the pastors or people here more if you want to explore that more. But if that's where you're at this morning, no, 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 no. Please, for the good of all of us, we need you fully alive. Some of us um, are maybe a little more like this. Uh, There's a passage in Jeremiah. Anybody know what this is? A cistern. Cistern. Nobody uses that kind of language anymore. Because we don't really have cisterns. George, you were in the water business for a long time, right? Where's George? Did he leave? Oh, no, you're right there. How do you keep a whole bunch of water? Use a tank, right? Water tank. You don't call it a cistern, do you? Reservoir. That's that's good language. Uh, Jeremiah 2, verse 13, says... um, Jeremiah is he says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Kind of like the idea of things that are glamorous, right? We dig them. Uh, we invest in them, thinking that they're going to be a source of... Um, life. And, and what happens is we find out they can't actually hold the living water. They can't contain uh, God in us. We, we pursue them. We long for them. We're hungry for them. And then we get them and we realize, shoot, man, it's like, um, is there water in this one or is it empty? It's empty. It's, empty. Um, it's just kind of like, it's damp, but what promises fulfillment isn't. And some of us, I think this morning, maybe are on that path, right? We're pursuing, we're chasing, we're, we're trying to find our value in something in our work or in relationships or in what people say about us. And we're, put, we're trying to like, you know, chase these things. And um, Jeremiah, like thousands of years ago, called out the people of Israel and he's like, hey, y'all, stop digging your own cisterns. You, trust in God. Stop digging, stop, stop trying to create your own thing and instead allow him to bubble up in you. You with me? Because this is the invitation, right? The third picture is, here's the invitation. This is what, what, what he longs for, for us, for our soul. This is what God longs for, for us. Thief comes to kill, rob, and destroy. But I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Have you ever seen a spring? Uh, If you've ever been to a place that is like a a natural spring. Anybody hikers to um, the Sierra Nevadas? Anybody done that in the last few years? And I really want to do that. So maybe you have to teach me how I can do that. But um, places like that where there's like a natural spring, there's just water bubbling up from an aquifer is that the right language george yeah um it's so beautiful and it's so refreshing and you're around it and it's just like oh, i don't want to leave this place and some of you are like that all of us long to be that some of you are like that you've been like that for many many years and you've been like that for many many people in many places And you're a resting place and you know this living water and you've experienced it deeply, like deep in your bones. You know this living water. You've, you've tried maybe other things, and you're like, no, 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 no. It's all just being connected to God through Jesus. That's where all the life is. How many of you want more of that? I just want more and more and more of that. And I still keep falling in the same stupid trap of believing that other things will satisfy. I still do, friends. I, like, pursue things. And you know what happens then afterwards? I realize I have to quit it. Sorry, I know I signed up to do this or that or the other thing, but like, I have to be done with it because like, I just need to be connected to the life-giving source, Jesus. Um, which image would you say best describes you right now? Again, this is not judgment, but just for you to think about and be processing. Which one best describes you right now? And then maybe another thing for you to think about is um, what thieves of life What things, promises, uh, things rob you or people around you of that life that God wants to give? Remember, the chief end of man is to glorify, glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that the way to glorify God is to be fully alive. And the way to be fully alive is to be connected to Jesus Christ. And so what things impede you from being connected to Christ? I would say, and so would Joel B. Green, the author of Luke uh, Theology, that those are um, demonic forces at work in our lives. Those things that that separate us from resting in the love of God have a, a, a demonic uh, purpose. What are they in your life? Name them. Write them down on your paper if you have a moment. What? What are they? A lust for more. Um, a continual just like longing to, to, to have what, what's not yours. Greed. Jealousy. Envy. Maybe bitterness is a big one, right? Like bitterness keeps preventing me from experiencing the full life of God. What are they? Acknowledge them. Bring them to Him. Now we get to the story of Jesus' words from the cross. If you hear nothing else, this is just an amazing picture for the rest of our week. Luke 23, verse 39. Two criminals hanging on the cross next to Jesus. There's this really cool thing that Mark does. He says, um, one is on his right and one is on his left. And the the reason that's cool is because his disciples had asked him earlier in Mark, hey Jesus, um, when you get to to sit on your throne, can one of us be on your right and one of us be on your left? And Mark almost says, no, if you want to follow Jesus, here, here, here's one on his right. And here's one on his left. This is what it looks like the pursuit of God. So Luke um, says, verse 39 one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. Do something. Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said. Since you're under the same sentence, we're punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. God has done nothing wrong in Jesus, right? He did nothing wrong. He's innocent. He's guiltless. I would say in our lives, it's the same thing. God has done nothing wrong in our lives. The giver of life has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Uh, Jesus. This is the criminal who was kind of like rebuking the other one that was taunting Jesus. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. And Jesus answered him, amen. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Today, You'll be with me in paradise. Underline these three things in your Bible. Today, you will be with me, and then paradise. Um, The first thing that I think is really powerful is that Jesus doesn't say, doesn't leave him hanging, right? The man um, on the cross has this, there's this beautiful moment, I think, where he turns to Jesus and just says, remember me. Jesus doesn't sort of like string him along, you know. He doesn't kind of go like, "Well, you know, maybe if for the next six hours you don't say any naughty words while you're on the cross, maybe if you're nice to the guards and you promise to forgive the people that were, you know, as you're dying, maybe if you do this, that, or the other thing." He doesn't say any of that. He says today or now, this moment. This moment, you're, you're with me. We're together. Again, God is against any force that is keeping us apart from him. Right? God stands against anything that's preventing us from seeing him more clearly. He wants to reveal himself. What does the man have to do? He just turns to him and says, remember me. That's it. Biblically, we call this repentance. It's the Hebrew word. Shove or turn. I'm going this way. It's like I want living water. I'm going this way. I'm doing my thing. I'm digging cisterns. My heart feels like a doggone wasteland. And he says, "Just turn to me. Remember me, Lord. Give me living water again. Give me the water you have to drink. That's it. It doesn't have to be super like profound or crazy or whatever. It's just it's a turn." Oh, give me your presence again, Lord. Remember me. Today is the day. Today, then string him along. It's today, it's here. It's now you want him, He's here. God is here. He's waiting, right? Second, um, you will be with me in Paradise biblically. The idea of salvation is life with God. John 17:3. Jesus um, is praying for his disciples and praying about why he came. And he says, this is eternal life, that they know you, Father. They know you, the only true God. This is eternal life, that they know you, that they live in relationship with you. That's why the Blackburns are doing the work that they're doing. They're trying to get people to understand in their own language That God wants to live with them. This is eternal life. That they know you. That they live with you. That they're not separated from you. That they have hope and peace and joy. And it bubbles up within them. This is eternal life. That they know you. That they know you, God. They know your love. They know your forgiveness. They know your mercy. They know your peace. That they know you. It's relationship language. It's not transaction God wants relationship with us. This is eternal life, that they know you, God, and the Son whom you have sent, that they know you, God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Friends, God wants to know us. Jesus says to the thief, today you will be with me. I would say today you are with me. You are with me. In paradise I mean your Bibles um, Just highlight bracket paradise The word for paradise uh, There's a number of biblical references One is in Revelation You can check it out later Revelation 2 verse 7 But when you think of paradise biblically um, You gotta come back to where Where's, Where's your paradise First of all maybe you're like Man Disneyland's my paradise Court site this is my paradise. Quartzite. Mentone. <laughs> is hey, seriously, Mentone, there's some beautiful spots. Hey, Amen. Cord knows. Paradise in the Bible is like a garden. It's like a garden. Well, I don't know if I haven't been to a garden like this yet, but... This is like paradise, right? And it's not just a garden that we go and like exploit and you know take whatever we want. It's a garden that God invites us to walk with him in. Right? Eden is this place where people walk with God and they care for the chickens and sheep and it's a place where they, they, they feel no shame and they're unburdened and they rest in God's presence and they walk with him and they live with him and they do it today and then they do it forever and Jesus says when you are connected to me you experience eternal life. And that eternal life is relationship with me. And it's paradise life. It's garden life where we walk together. I don't know what, what things or forces prevent you from experiencing um, rivers of living water bubbling up in you. Maybe for some of us, there's people in our workplace or our neighborhoods We just long to become alive, to experience and know what we've um, known and seen. And we're just praying that they would experience it. And maybe God's inviting you to just share with them something from this message. Say, hey, I want you to know, like, I know things are hard, but I'm longing for you to experience just like the living water. I know you're tired and burdened and and, um, heavy laden, right? Maybe even with religion for some of us. Just like this religious cloud that we feel right now, and God's just saying, "Like, I want to invite you into like full life, abundant life, garden life, living water life." There's a, a resource that I put at the bottom of your page there, and um, I'm sure many of you have a lot going on this week. But if you have, I think I did it this morning. It took me about ten minutes. Um, there's nine different pathways to experiencing life with God. Uh, not everybody loves to sit with the Bible and look up Greek or Hebrew words. Like, that's not everybody's jam. Um, and so in this Pathways to God, this little test, some of you might find, you know what, I really feel connected. I feel like the life and the, the, the living water, I experience that most when I'm on a hike. And if that's the case, friends, I would say, put a hike on your calendar every week. You don't want to be disconnected from the way that God wants to walk with you. For some of us, um, maybe it's, it's when I'm able to um, sing and raise my hands and worship. And I would say, YouTube it, man, every day. Spend a half hour on YouTube. Why wouldn't you want to be connected to the life if when I was saying, when's the last time that you felt fully alive, that was not within the last month or year, I would say, take this test. <laughs> Figure out how has God wired you to receive that living water and then go do it. Then go find it. I think that you and I have been created to be fully alive, fully alive. Fully alive. Say it with me. Fully alive. Fully alive. I don't think He wants us to live parched. I don't think He wants those cisterns to be cracked. I think He wants each person in this room. I think He longs for our neighbors. I think He, he longs for our communities. I think He longs for our city to be fully alive. Would you join me in praying into that. Heavenly Father, And Jesus, you revealed to us what you're like. You invite us into a paradise life, which is just life with you, where we walk and talk with you, where we put our burdens at your feet. God, I thank you for my friends here. And I pray that this week you would um, take up all their burdens once again. God, take up everything that hinders us. From that abundant life, from that full life. Would you um, remember us, Lord, this week? God, I pray that you would equip my friends here um, to share that good news. Oh, how beautiful on the mountains and the valleys of San Bernardino. How beautiful are the feet of those river people who bring good news to their co-workers and neighbors and friends and family. How beautiful, Lord, in this valley are the feet of those who, bring, who declare salvation. Our God reigns. Oh God, this morning we give it all again to you and surrender. We confess that you are the source of living water. We bless you. We thank you. Amen.